What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, June 17th, 2021. And I'm Chip, I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're a new listener, thank you so much for joining us as well. If you'd like to share our podcast, you can find us over on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. If you'd like to watch us, you can watch us over on YouTube at Gridiron Fantasy Football. So please do me a favor, hit subscribe, support the show, so you don't miss any more episodes going on in this offseason. And on today's episode, like I said, we're going to talk about my top 12 wide receiver rankings uh, for 2021. But before we do that, let's get into some of the news that took place so far this week. Um, And starting off with the Cincinnati Bengals, right now it looks like Joe Burrow is expecting to make a full recovery. And he should be healthy enough to be in training camp. So shouldn't miss any time, which is really good for um, that whole offense for T. Higgins, for uh, Jamar Chase, um, Joe Mix, everyone involved. So Really good. And then on top of that, uh, Joe Burrow has been pretty much giving T. Higgins all the love right now. He's saying that he should have a big year this year, which, you know, I do think like that there's a possibility of that. I know with Chase being drafted as number one pick for the Bengals in the first round, um, you know, you know, it really deflated uh, the hype over T. Higgins because he had such a good rookie season. And then you saw them you know, go out and get Jamar Chase. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where I still think T Higgins, I think benefits for having chase on the, on the, on the field and on the same offense. Um, and then you got Tyler Boyd, you got Joe Mixon, you know, the only thing I'm worried about for the, for the Bengals is the offensive line. So hopefully these things are going to happen where we see T Higgins, you know, take a, a leap forward in year two, Joe Burrow comes back healthy and he looks healthy, hopefully be able to protect him so the offense can flourish under, um, you know, Joe Burrow in his second year, but um, so far, good news coming out of Cincinnati. Um, then going on to uh, the New England Patriots, uh, looks like there's been some reports out there that uh, Mac Jones has gained, you know, has gained more first team snaps um, than Cam Newton. And based on some reports, it looks like Mac Jones is actually getting a little better than Cam Newton. Which, you know, we've seen the decline in Cam Newton throughout the year or throughout the years. We've seen him. His shoulder have an issue. He just isn't the same guy. He's never been really accurate with the football. And now you add, you take away his his arm strength. I mean, it is it is not surprising to hear that Mac Jones is actually looking a little better with, than uh, than Cam Newton. But the one thing I'm not I'm not understanding with Mac Jones, I've seen some some highlights. Like, why is he wearing number fifty? Does anyone can anyone tell me why this is happening? Because I know that you the, you can change your jersey numbers this year. I know that like, there are certain players that are going from like double digits to single digits, but Mac Jones wearing an offensive line number like is that kind of a joke? Is that just something they gave him during like the rookie mini camps? Like, please leave a comment below. Let me know because this is kind of making me laugh. Because I mean, if he wears number fifty all season, that's going to be pretty hilarious. But uh, but so far, I mean, it's been been. Good news for Mac Jones, so we'll see what happens. Um, also from New England, it looks like John New Smith um, is not is not participating in minicamp. Um, he's suffering from an apparent hamstring injury, and as a physical therapist, you know, in working in physical therapy, like I don't, um, you know, when you hear players have hamstring injuries during like mini camps, and then you see, you hear this like stuff go on with a lot of players, and it's frustrating because like these hamstring injuries are a nagging thing. Like they're something that won't go away unless you get proper rest. But even then it really does cause issues throughout the season. So hopefully Johnny Smith, it's a minor hamstring 
um, issue that he can come back and be fully healthy, not having more issues throughout the season. But it's always it's always a warning sign when you hear hamstring injuries, especially this early in the offseason. Um, and then last, you got Bears coach Matt Nagy is insisting that Andy Dalton is the Bears starting quarterback for week one. Um, he's standing by that. And look, that's that's a you, know, you you don't want to put Justin Fields out there. I get it like too early because you don't want to you know hurt his confidence. But, you know, they they can't continue with this. They need to just if they, they drafted Justin Fields to be the future, if he's talented enough, put him out there. I don't think he can be that much worse than any dog. I mean, there's upside with Justin Fields, so I don't understand why that they're going to mess with this whole Andy Dalton thing. Um, I know that they, they they signed him, they promised him he he would be the starter, but obviously they got Justin Fields in the draft and things change. But I don't know, man. I, I don't like this. You know, I'll be talking about the, about Andy Dalton a little bit later in the in the episode, but um, I just don't like this for certain players, and it's just not good to to just insist that Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback, because I just feel like talent-wise, Justin Fields is there. I understand he's a rookie, but I do think that that Justin Fields should get the opportunity to at least compete for the starting job. So that's it for the news for today. Um, so let's go into my wide receiver rankings. You know, I usually go from 12 to 1, so I'm going to start off with number 12. And you know, this list was pretty interesting for me to make. Um, a lot of guys are not in. Uh, you'd probably be surprised with some of the guys I have on this list in my top 12, but Honestly, kind of looking at all the players that were uh, available that I could put in the top 12, it just, these seem like the best 12 that I can um, put there. So um, I know there's always going to be room for debate, but uh, let's start off with number 12. I have, I have Allen Robinson, right? So Allen Robinson has been a target machine, um, you know, since he's been in Chicago. Uh, last year, he finished as the wide receiver nine. He had 262.9 points. Um, he played all 16 games. Um, you know, he... Great season last year. You know, he had 102 you know, receptions on 151 targets. Um, you know, the good thing about this, about Andy, uh, about Allen Robinson is that, you know, he had the third most targets, you know, in the NFL and he's led in targets. He's been up there in top five targets for the last couple of seasons. You know, what the Chicago Bears are good at doing is feeding him the ball. He is their number one uh, weapon on the offense. And I think that, uh, with that being the case, I mean, if you look at his, his target share, he had 25.5% target share. Um, that led the team, obviously. And, you know, the good thing about this, too, is that not alone getting the targets overall, he led, you know, he was top five in end zone targets. So you always want to see wide receivers get opportunities in the red zone and in the end zone. So, like, with that being the case, you know, Allen, Allen Robinson, to me, uh, continues to be one of those undervalued guys that he brings you a lot. He may not, you know, win you a week with a, a 30 or 40 point game. But he's pretty consistent. He gets the targets. He gets the volume. So he's always going to be a good guy to get because a lot of people are going to overlook him because he plays for the Bears and because the quarterback play not being what it has been for the last couple of seasons. But um, that goes to my cons about Allen Robson. Like I was mentioning about Andy Dalton is that Andy Dalton's the quarterback. And I, you know, is it, is it going to be Andy Dalton or it's going to be Justin Fields? And the thing that sucks about Allen Robson in his career, he's dealt with Blake Bortles, he's dealt with Mitchell Trubisky. Now he has to deal with Tano, but maybe out Andy Dalton plus Justin Fields. So, you know, that doesn't bow well for him either. But also you add on top of that, he has the second worst straight to schedule for a wide receiver. So uh that that's that type of stuff scares me because you know, you want guys that can be consistent for you all through the season, and then when it comes to the playoffs, and then when you have a straight to schedule like this, on top of the questionable quarterback play. 
man, that's just not, it's not good for, for Allen Robinson, but because of the volume he gets, he's at my, he cracks my top 12 uh, for 2021. And then going to my 11th wide receiver, I have Terry McLaurin. Uh, last year, he finished as the wide receiver 20, had 223.8 PPR points. Uh, he only played 15 games, uh, but he had uh, just under, um, just over 1,100 yards. He had four touchdowns, and then he had 87 receptions for 134 targets. So uh, he's getting fed the ball. Um, Washington last year was just very up and down with the offense, going from um, Haskins to then, you know, Alex Smith. It's just one of those things where this hasn't been consistent. But the good thing about it, um, his target share is 24%. And, you know, he's gained Ryan Fitzpatrick. What Ryan Fitzpatrick is a YOLO type of, of quarterback. Um, he's a guy who doesn't hold anything back. He loves playing football. Ryan Fitzpatrick is known to feeding his wide receivers. So I think Terry McLaurin is going to be in for a very big season. Uh, I think that it does help that he does get, you know, Curtis Samuel on the other side of the ball or on the other side of the field. But the downside that it will that take away from the targets that he gives a Curtis Samuel is a dynamic player. Um, you know, I think that he'll get utilized a little bit better than he did in Carolina, but He's going to work targets, obviously. So uh, that's the only thing that I do. I cap his his ceiling out a little bit because of that. But I think no matter what, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to just feed him the ball. Um, I, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what Terry McLaurin does this year. But uh, I have him at my my 11th ranking. And then going to number 10, I got Michael Thomas. Uh, last year he was injured. He only played he only played seven games. He's the wide receiver, 93. He only had you know he only had 83.9 PPR points. Um, the thing with him, you know, he went from having a record season the year prior to just having an injury plague season last year. So he didn't score any touchdowns. He just had over 430 yards. Um, he only had 55 targets. He had 40 receptions. Um, the good thing about it, you know, he is the, he is the guy in New Orleans, right? He's going to, if he's healthy, he's going to get fed the ball. Um, the good thing about Emmanuel Sanders did leave. He went to Buffalo. So overall that vacates 174 targets. So He's going to get his, regardless of who the quarterback is, he's going to get his targets. Um, the good thing about it, he has a top five straight to schedule, so it's always going to be good for Michael Thomas. But like I said, the downside of that, there's no Drew Brees. That offense, you know, what's the offense going to look like without Drew Brees with either Taysom Hill or with Jameis Winston? The whole New Orleans offense right now is very questionable for me because of the unknown of what the offense will look like with Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. So, um I always feel like if Jameis Winston wins the job, it's better for Alvin Kamara and for Michael Thomas. But if Taysom Hill takes it, I don't know. It's just hard because he's not he he could have completely changed the way he plays quarterback because he's a guy who was a one read guy. If he couldn't get the number one guy on his read, he was going to run the ball. So for me, if Taysom Hill was has able to increase his skill set as a quarterback, I'll I'll gladly eat crow with that. But right now. Um, Michael Thomas, he's just not that elite wide receiver that I look at right now as uh, a fancy option, but he's so talented that he still cracks the top 10, but also he's going to get the target. So hopefully Michael Thomas is able to come back, have a strong season, um, regardless of who the quarterback is. So he's at my 10th spot and then moving on to number nine, got DK Metcalf last year, DK Metcalf finished as the wide receiver seven. Uh, he had 271.3 PPR points. He played all 16 games. He had just over 1,300 yards. He had 10 touchdowns. Um, he had 83 receptions off 129 targets. Okay, so um, the good thing about that, he 
He got 24.5% of the target share with Seattle, just slightly under Lockett. Um, also, too, he had 14 end zone targets with six touchdowns. So big guy, big frame guy. Go up and get the 50-50 balls. He's a good guy to get in the end zone um, for for touchdowns. But uh, the, the bad side about it, too, is that Tyler Lockett's on the team, right? So Tyler Lockett, he's still gained 132 targets. So I know it's not a a, a a massive difference. There's only three targets difference there, but it's still, I want to see the DK Metcalf is a guy that should get most of the targets. And I think that he's able to get a little bit more. He can, he can see that, you know, that elite status there. But um, the downside too is we've seen what happens with Seattle with their passing game. You know, are they going to let Russell Wilson cook? Are they going to let him finally take over that passing game and just, just, you know, throw it over the field and, you know, really take a step forward in that passing game. So hopefully that happens. But just like uh, just like Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf does not have a very favorable uh, strength of schedule. He's in the bottom 10 with the come to straight schedule for the wide receiver position. He has to go against Jalen Ramsey twice a year. You know, it's uh, one of those things where they have a tough schedule. And, you know, you want guys that are able to, you, you know, wide receivers are not always going to be consistent. You, you know, week in, week out, we see, a lot of receivers have, you know, dud games. It happens. But, you know, I I, I just don't like the fact that he has a very tough straight of schedule and the unknowing of what happens with the passing game. But regardless, DK Metcalf, I'll love to have on my team. But there's, you know, always there's always going to be, when I do these podcasts, there's always going to be what's good about it, what's bad about it. But overall, he's an elite talent. I'm going to my number eight ranking. I got Keenan Allen here. Uh, last year, he finished as a wide receiver 13. He had 245.1 PPR points. He only played 14 games due to an injury. Uh, he had 992 yards. He had eight touchdowns. He did have 100 receptions for off 147 targets. So he's getting fed the ball a lot. Uh, he obviously led the team with 24.5% target share. You know, he did. He does have a top. He was in the top. Their offense was top six in passing. So obviously, that's good. You know, you want to see that in, you know, your, the wide receiver that you're gaining when it comes to like the opportunities. And, but the downside to that is, can he stay healthy? He's known to always have some type of ailment. If it's back, a hamstring, whatever the case may be, Keen Allen rarely plays a full season, but also on top of that, does Justin Herbert take the progression that we want to see in year two? You know, they do lose Hunter Henry. So does that affect the offense at all? Does that affect, you know, what Keen Allen's able to do when it comes to uh fantasy you know, Mike Williams is still there. And I was looking at the stats and, you know, Mike Williams, you know, he had more end zone targets than, than Keenan Allen. So uh, very interesting to see that. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to kind of look at it and you're hoping that Keenan Allen to me, I don't understand this, but he is a very, very underrated wide receiver. I just don't get it. I don't understand why he's a guy that, um, just doesn't get the love that he should. And I remember last year in my draft, we do, we do an auction draft and he, he went for nearly nothing for a, for a number one wide receiver on a, on a pretty good team. So Keen Allen, I think a very good value pick, even though he's ranked at eighth at my wide receiver eight, still good value there. Um, and moving on to number seven, I got AJ Brown. Uh, last year he finished as the wide receiver 14. He had 241.5 PPR points. He only played 14 games last year. He had just over a thousand yards. Uh, he had 1,075 yards for 11 touchdowns. He had 106 targets and he got 70 receptions last year. So, you know, obviously 
AJ Brown is a guy that I've had, you know, since his rookie season. I love AJ Brown. I have him in Dynasty. Um, just a really talented wide receiver, very good after the catch. Uh, the good thing about it for the Tennessee Titans that they have 224 available targets this year. That this is fourth most in the league. Now, you know, John Smith goes to New England, Corey Davis goes to New York Jets. So obviously that brings in, you know, more targets for AJ Brown. But obviously, when it comes to that, you know, like last year you had 23.42 percent target share. And obviously that changed because of Julio Jones. Julio Jones pretty much will take, if you listen to the last podcast or a couple podcasts ago, I was talking about like Ryan Tannehill and all that stuff and just kind of the what the impact of Julio Jones or Corey Davis leaving and all that stuff. And I still think Julio Jones is going to be the number two. I still think it's about 20% of the target share, which will still make A.J. Brown the number one wide receiver for our Tennessee Titans. But, you know, Julio Jones changes a lot of that dynamic on how that offense is going to be defended. So... A.J. Brown, either single him up or you single up Julio Jones. Either way, A.J. Brown's going to benefit for having Julio Jones on the you know on the same team. But uh, the only bad thing about A.J. Brown is that he has the hardest strength to schedule for a wide receiver this year. So that's what sucks about this is that he's very talented. He'll get the volume. He'll get the targets. Unfortunately, he has the, the hardest strength to schedule. So hopefully we see something with that. But another thing, too. A.J. Brown was 42nd in end zone targets. And I contribute this solely to Derrick Henry, right? Because Derrick Henry, you know, he only has, um, A.J. Brown only has seven seven touchdowns or seven um, end zone targets due to Derrick Henry. And that's my that's my my analysis on that. I think that they have somebody who just a, who's a, a semi-truck in the backfield who can just get touchdowns at will and the opportunities for him to get those end zone targets and those touchdowns is going to be very limited. So um, I would love to see him get more targets in the end zone, but as long as Derrick Henry's there, it's going to be limited. So that's the only downside to AJ Brown. Um, and then moving on to number six, I got Justin Jefferson here. He finished last year as the wide receiver six. Uh, he had 274.2 PPR points. He played all 16 games. He had just over 1400 yards. He has six touchdowns. Uh, he got a, he got a 125 targets. Um, you know, I'm sorry. He had 1400 yards, seven touchdowns. He had 125 targets on 88 receptions. Um, and then the good thing about Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen has been like the, the number one wide receiver for the Vikings for quite some time. You know, Stefan, Stefan Diggs was a guy that was kind of coming up and it was a Stefan Diggs and, you know, Adam Thielen show, but Stefan Diggs in, in Minnesota was never fully available. He always had something, some nagging injuries. But the good thing about it is that Justin Jefferson was, was playing uh, all 16 games. You know, he led a team with 26.6% of the target share. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Tyreek Hill, right? He's a huge playmaker. I think he can, he can score at any moment just like Tyreek Hill can. The downside about it, he has Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. So that's the kind of the downside to it. And also, too, they're in a very run-heavy offense. So I think, like, I don't think you'll see Justin Jefferson be a top three wide receiver. I think six is a good a good number for him. I think that that's a consistent thing that he could get and be in that top ten this year. Um, you know, and, then he, and he was a rookie. So, like, based on what we did, we don't see wide receivers usually do so well as a rookie. And he was top six. So... I can't imagine him going any, you know, going any lower than that. But Justin Jefferson, he's going to be a guy that's on everyone's radar. Um, very good playmaker. So hopefully, uh, we see Justin Jefferson um, have the same season that he did last year. 
And then going to number five, we've got DeAndre Hopkins. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver four. He had 287.8 PPR points. He played all 16 games. He had, uh, I got him and Justin Jefferson's uh, stats mixed up, but he had 1,400 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had 160 targets, um, had 115 receptions. And the good thing about DeAndre Hopkins, he was second in the NFL in targets. He had 30.8% target share. That is a massive target share for a wide receiver. Um, but the thing is, is that what, you know, I know this is probably not a, a good take, but like, does AJ Brown do anything to the offense and change it where that takes away some of the target share from, from DeAndre Hopkins? There's, there's no question DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the number one wide receiver, but is this, is there a, is, is there going to be a kind of a cap to DeAndre Hopkins this year? Um, who knows? I mean, they, they have a good offense. Kyler Murray continues to progress as a quarterback. Um, you know, they they play in a tough division. That's the only thing. But last year, I just felt like with DeAndre Hopkins, if you owned him in fantasy, I really didn't see games where it's like he had when he was a Houston Texan. Like, he just took over games, and he, he won you a week, or he won you a championship because of how just dominant he was. I just didn't feel that. Even though he was a top five wide receiver last year, I just didn't feel that dominance from him. But... He's a guy that's still a reliable guy. He's going to get the volume, but it's just one of those one of those things is that it's just maybe maybe he's a lot better in the second year you know second year in this offense. But Jonathan Hopkins to me um, still a top five guy, but but he's a guy that um, I have never owned before. But he's not a guy that I target every year either. So um, anybody who gets him will be happy because of the volume. But um, like I said last year, you just didn't really I didn't really see like a lot of like winning like him winning you a game last year. Uh, moving on to number four, I got Calvin Ridley here. So last year he finished at the wide receiver four. He had 281.5 points, uh, PPR points. Uh, he had he played 15 games. Last year he had 1,374 yards. He had nine touchdowns. Uh, he had 90 receptions on 143 targets. So the pros of Calvin Ridley, right? Julio Jones gets traded. So now there's 195 targets available with the departure of Julio Jones. So there's a massive amount of targets that Calvin Ridley is going to absorb. Um, last year, he did lead the team with 23.8% of the target share. Um, obviously, Julio Jones didn't play a full season. Um, so Calvin Ridley was the guy last year. And I did feel like, and if you listen to my podcast last year, if you're you're someone who's followed me since the beginning, is that I felt like Calvin Ridley last year was the guy, it was his, his, year, his year last year to take over and be that number one guy from, away from Julio Jones. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what he's going to do this year as the true number one wide receiver, because obviously his targets are only going to increase. Um, what's nice about Calvin Ridley has the six best strength of schedule. Uh, he's in a top five passing offense. You know, he was second in the league with 19 end zone targets and he converted six into touchdowns. So um, the only downside, he did have one goose egg game last year, but that was kind of an anomaly. That was a fluke. But Calvin Ridley, I, I mean, I'm excited to kind of see what this guy does because it's going to be... It's going to be awesome. I want Calvin Ridley this year really bad. Um, and I really don't like saying that because I have my 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 league listens to the podcast. And, you know, I went undefeated last year and I won my second championship in this league in five years. So uh, I'm just trying to kind of be careful on who I say I like because I don't want to give away to my my league mates. Um, we moved on to number three. I got Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams last year finished as the wide receiver one. He was 358. He had 358.4 PPR points. 
Um, he played 14 games. He had 1,374 yards, 18 touchdowns. He had 115 receptions on 148 targets. Um, so I know a lot of people argue the way the as like before I start this, Aaron, the reason why Devontae Adams is at three because we're not sure what's going on with the with the quarterback position. But the good thing about it, based on the stats last year, he had 29.5 percent of the target share. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was second with 13.5%. So Devontae Adams is the alpha guy. That's no question. Um, He was top five in end zone targets. So Devontae Adams is the guy, bar none. But the downside to that is, like I said, does Aaron Rodgers play? It doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers has any... It doesn't look like he has any reason to want to play this year. He wants out of Green Bay. And it looks like he's doing every he can, everything he can to not show up to minicamp and all that stuff. So we'll see. But, you know, if that's the case, what happens with Jordan Love? Is Jordan Love, you know, effective in this offense? Like, is he going to be a guy that can do well under under this uh, type of pressure? But I don't know. And then you add Devin Funches returns and you have another wide receiver. So now you got Devontae Adams, Devin Funches. You got Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling. You got Alan Lazard. You got Robert Tunney at tight end. So, like... Are the targets going to be there? Who knows? But he does have the fourth worst straight schedule as well. So there's a lot of things. If Aaron Rodgers does not play next year or this year, there's a lot of things not going Devontae Adams' way when it comes to the quarterback, how the offense is going to be effective, and the strength of schedule. So um, I know I'll probably get a lot of heat for having him third, but I think as of right now, it's a safe place to have him. He's still going to be a good wide receiver, but is he going to be as dominant without Aaron Rodgers? We'll we'll figure this out once the season starts. All right, now moving on to my second wide receiver for 2021. I got Stefan Diggs here. Last year he finished as the wide receiver three. He had 328.6 PPR points. He played all 16 games. Very rare that we see Stefan Diggs play all 16 games. We did it last year. He had 1,525 yards and eight touchdowns. He had 127 receptions on 166 targets. He led the league in targets last year. Um, you know, the good thing about it, he had a 29.4% target share with the Buffalo Bills. The next closest was Cole Beasley at 18%. Um, they do get Emmanuel Sanders, right? So John Brown, I think goes to the Raiders. They, you know, the New Orleans Saints, um, don't re-sign Emmanuel Sanders. He goes to the Buffalo Bills. Don't really think that makes a difference. I think that when it comes to Stephon Diggs, he's the alpha guy. He's going to be the, I don't see why his target share will go down any more than it is. Um, I just, I just see it. It's a, it's a, it's an even swap between Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown, right? Um, I think that what hurts the Buffalo offense or hurts what, what the wide receiver is Gabriel Davis, Davis, right? So Gabriel Davis was a guy that was turned on, you know, pretty good last year, and then with the departure of John Brown, you think, okay, now Gabriel Davis is going to be the guy that's going to be able to go and be um, maybe that number two because you got Cole Beasley in the slot, but you know, it's one of those things where. You know, they they thought Emmanuel Sanders was going to bring in some good uh, dynamics to that for their wide receiver room. So we'll see. But I don't think that affects Stephon Diggs. I think if he can stay healthy, uh, I think you'll see the same exact stuff. He has this. He has the opportunity. He has the right offense and the right quarterback to be that number one guy when it comes to the fantasy football. But um, the only thing about it is, like, like I said, can you play all sixteen games? You're going to be drafting him pretty high this year. Is he going to be the guy that you can rely on every single game? And then does Josh Allen continue to progress as a passer? I mean, you know, Josh Allen had a phenomenal fantasy football or phenomenal season all around last year, not just in fantasy football. But um, do we see 
him take that next step forward where he's just going to be untouchable. I mean, he was the number one fantasy quarterback last year, but um, how much further can he go up? That's going to be the question. And I look forward to seeing what Josh Allen can do this year as well and what Stephon Diggs can do. So I'm super excited about that. Now moving on to my number one wide receiver is Tyree Kill, right? So he finished as the wide receiver two last year. He had 328.9 PPR points. He only played 15 games. Uh, he had 1,276 yards on 15, and he had 15 touchdowns. Uh, he had 87 receptions on 135 targets, and he added two rushing touchdowns last year to that. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill, what can you say about it? You know, obviously he's playing with Patrick Mahomes, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now. You know, he's always going to be, unfortunately, he's always going to be kind of second to Travis Kelsey in target share. He had a 22.64% target share last year. Um Obviously, a good thing about Tyreek Hill, he can score at any moment. Um, I remember last year, I live in Seattle, and it was when the Bucks were playing the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they hadn't they haven't broadcasted the game because it was like the game of the week uh, on this side of the on the country of or of the U.S. And um, I was checking my fantasy scores. All of a sudden, the game like barely started, and I already had like close to like six or seven points because we played in a PPR league. I'm like, what the heck is going on? How did Tyreek Hill have already have almost 10 points? And all of a sudden, he had that massive game last year against the Bucks. But that's that's where you go with Tyreek Hill. There will be games you'd be frustrated with him because he gets shut down. But then you have games like he'll score at any moment. He'll score three touchdowns and have a rushing touchdown. It's crazy. But I love Tyreek Hill. Um, and honestly, I don't think there's really any cons to him at all as a wide, wide receiver. Um, he's so dynamic. They use him so many different ways. Uh, like I said, he had rush. You, they rush him, you know, as well. So like, Sammy Watkins goes to the Baltimore Ravens. So that obviously increases targets amongst you know Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Then you got um, Miko Hardman that could be a kind of a, a deep sleeper this year too because of the departure of Sammy Watkins. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what the Kansas City Chiefs do. They they have a better offensive line now. So like, I'm all about having anybody on that Kansas City offense. Um, so. Uh, it's going to be a good year for for the wide receivers this year. I think I'm excited to see uh, what they do, but also you know to see if Tyreek Hill can stay you know in that top five. Um, so kind of review my wide receivers for 2021. At number one, I got Tyreek Hill. Two, Stephon Diggs. Three, Devontae Adams. Four, Calvin Ridley. Five, DeAndre Hopkins. Six, Justin Jefferson. Seven, AJ Brown. Uh, eight. Keen Allen, 9, DK Metcalf, 10, Michael Thomas, 11, Terry McLaurin, and 12, Allen Robinson. So a little, a little fun fact a little bit too, because they're always about like, I always feel like wide receivers is a position where it's the easiest to fill when it comes to every week. Well, you, you see the matchups, you see who's available on your free agency and kind of pu- plug and play a wide receiver. I feel like that's, there's so many wide receivers that are good that you can always kind of plug and play. Um, my strategy for fantasy football, I like having alpha, like top wide receivers. I like having, I like having a top, I like having two top ten, the top, two top five, two top ten running backs on my team, and a top wide receiver. That's kind of my formula. What I do in my fantasy leagues, um, and if I'm in a redraft league, but when it comes to the fantasy points from the number one to twelve, we had last year. You had Devontae Adams had 358.4 PPR points. And Robert Woods was the 12th wide receiver last year in fantasy at 245.1 PPR points. So only 
you only had like four wide receivers or three wide receivers that scored over 300 points last year in fantasy um, from a, on a PPR format. So you just, the margin from wide receiver four to wide receiver 12 was just under 43 points that separated those guys. So like you have your top guys. It's not like dramatic. Like when you see what happened last year with the tight end, like Travis Kelsey was the number one tight end bar none. And then you had a massive drop off on Travis Kelsey the Darren Waller, then to any, everywhere, you know, everyone else. So like, that's the thing. You can you can you can spend the the draft stock to get some of these type wide receivers, but the margin from that, at least from last season, was so small that you can find some really good guys that have some really good value there. So just something to think about. But um, what do you think of these early rankings? Uh, do you see the justification of why I had the guys ranked where I did? Do I provide enough information where you can um, see why I I ranked them there and what would you argue? What would you, what would you change? You know, leave a comment below on your top twelve guys, and let's have a discussion. But um, that's it for today. And you have any questions uh, that you want to shoot me an email? You can uh, email me at chip at gridironfantasyfootball.com. Um, I'll love to you know read your emails. And if you have any uh, ideas on things that you want to you know see me talk about on the on the podcast? Uh, just let me know. Um, but you know that's it for today. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can hit us up at uh, Facebook and Twitter at The Gridiron Pod or on Instagram at gridironfantasyfootball.com. Um, and before I go, I just want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. If you're listening to your dad, happy Father's Day to you. Um, just happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Um, all the dads out there, it's just, uh, it's the you know, it's nice to be able to be recognized and, and whatnot. I know I love spending time with my daughter and, and having that time with her and, and whatnot, but just want to make sure that all the fathers out there, you know, at least for me, get the happy Father's Day that you deserve. So have a fun weekend. And next week, I'll be doing my top rankings for uh, the tight end position. So have a great day. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Take care.